0: This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2015. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Luke chapter 1. Again, this is familiar, it ties in with the, the whole story of Jesus um, coming to, to earth. Uh, Luke chapter one and I want to read uh, just a few verses. Um, start at verse 63. Luke 163. Obviously, it's jumping right into the middle of the story here where um, Zacharias and Elizabeth are having a a child that's foretold. It's obviously John the Baptist. And here, we're in the middle of the the unfolding of the final... uh, She's just given birth. And uh, here at verse 63, they turned to Zacharias and they asked him, what are you going to call the child? And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote Verse 67 And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. And I'm going to stop there because I'm just focusing on that last verse there. But obviously that Zacharias has moved and the Spirit has come upon him. It's a significant time. We have to remember that. Uh, we, we look back at it as a significant time. But for them in those days, in many ways, you would have thought this was another year, another day, another birth. But there was something slightly different. There's something of note, something that people started to take note of. God was doing something. God was moving in the lives of the nation. He was moving in these particular lives. Zacharias is given a prophecy concerning the days he lived in and the coming Messiah and John the Baptist and the ministry they would have to the nation. Other than Gabriel's message as a divine messenger to Zacharias and to Mary, this is the first prophecy in the New Testament. This is the first prophecy to the nation in over 400 years. Mary, Mary spoke in the previous few verses previous to this and she gives her Magnificat or her, her song of praise when she talks about what God is going to do in her life and through her son and she'll be blessed and she's a humble, uh, humble servant of God and very, very great message. And it's great, it's worth reading this whole passage, especially at this time of year. But here, Zacharias is not just having a personal message. He's got a message of universal consequences, a message for the entire nation, a message for his family, yes, but a message for the people in that country and throughout time, a message he wanted them to remember, a message God wanted them to know. And as I said, I want to focus on that last verse, verse 72, and the prophecy said, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. To remember His holy covenant. Zacharias was living in a time where the people could be forgiven for thinking that they were forgotten. They could be forgiven for thinking that th- time had passed and you know everything's happened and God has done His things and we've been 400 years now and there hasn't been a prophet to the nation. 400 years and there hasn't been a, a word to, 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 to guide us, a word to correct us, a word to lead us. Yes, the, the theologians will tell you the, the daughter of the voice is what they call it. It was speaking to individuals probably and encouraging them and there was things going on, but there was nothing to the nation. This was the nation. These were the people of God. These are the people that God had pulled out of the wilderness, the people who brought out of captivity, brought into the promised land. This was the land which had seen such mighty things. You know, they talk about the, the, the Middle East in this day. and age. I heard on the news recently, they were talking about the Middle East and they talked about it as the place where history lives. And it is, and it's always been that way. Because in this place where people were walking around and they would know the names of towns and villages and they would have a significance for them. That's why you see that, like for example, Jericho, the, the site of Jericho is unknown because they kept reusing the name. Because those names had significance, they had something of importance to them. So it's a place of living history. Here we are in land of Israel, the place where the prophets of old had walked. Elijah and Jeremiah, Samuel, the prophet, the mighty prophet who had pulled the nation out of the dust and set it on his feet. This is the land that had seen King David riding in glory. The place where Solomon had been in all his wisdom. Abraham and Isaac and Jacob had traveled through this place and had buried many people there. And it's, it's significant. This is the place of God's, God's people were. And yet there hadn't been a voice from God in over 400 years. It had been almost 800 years since Elijah and Elisha had walked the land. It had been probably near 500 years since Daniel and the three Hebrew, Hebrew boys. There hadn't been a miracle. There hadn't been a, a of, of Of national scale there hadn't been a miracle there hadn't been a word from God and the people could be forgiven for thinking to themselves God has forgotten us this is it we just we've just got to keep on going he gave us our covenant and that's us and we just have to sustain and keep going we're not going to hear anything new the promises that we had maybe they maybe we've just interpreted them wrong Maybe those promises that that were given, maybe the covenant, maybe we blew it out of proportions in our imagination. Maybe we thought more of ourselves than we should have. And I'm sure, I am sure doubts came in. I'm sure the doubts undermined their confidence in what they'd heard. I'm sure their doubts undermined their confidence in what their families had said to them. Even verses that are things that had come to life to them, I'm sure they started to doubt it in some degree or other. Here, Israel was conquered and reconquered and conquered again. They ruled by foreign kings, by Rome, by the Seleucids, by the Alexander the Great, by whoever else was passing through and just fancied a wee bit of land. Pagan emperors and pagan kings, and they they had to doing their things in their cities, and they had no say. What happened to us? We were meant to be God's people. We were meant to be the people of promise. We were meant to be the people that God used. You can understand how they might... They might be challenged in what they believed. You can understand how they might start to doubt what they believed. You can understand how the covenant, which was so important to them and it's still so important to them, how they might have started to question it. It's easy to understand that feeling. And here we are when the time was come, the fullness of time has come, God remembered his covenant. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord that God remembered his covenant. God's plan sprang into action. Sometimes we can be so close to the cold face that we can't see what's happening. The people in Israel didn't see the big picture. Zacharias might have had an inclination that doesn't say anywhere, but they couldn't see it. They were too close to it. Now, looking at time and looking through the lens of history, we can look back and we can look at how God was bringing a universal language in that everyone would be able to understand and at least on some level communicate with each other. We can understand how through the governments and through these other nations that were coming in, their peace was coming in, the Pax Romana, where people could freely travel from place to place. We can understand things like that. We can understand how they would, you know, they translated the Old Testament into Greek. And we can understand how things like that would happen. But for them, they couldn't, they were too close to it. They couldn't see it. Sometimes that's the case with us as well. Here we are. At this time of year, and we remember whenever the first angelic visitors came back to earth, first prophecy to the people, and God remembers his covenant. Out of the blue for many of them, and it can be that way. Out of the blue, unexpected. As I said, we can relate to that in our own lives, in our own spiritual lives. The promises that God has given us, whether he's given us just general promises, which he has never to leave us nor forsake us. He's given us general promises, but he's also given us individually promises. I know God has given me promises in my life, promises that I hold on to, promises that keep me going sometimes. And it's easy to get to that point, just as the children of Israel could have got to that point where they thought, you know what? It's been 400 years, 400 long years. For me, sometimes it's been just a long six months, but time had passed. We can relate to it. We can understand how they would have felt. Maybe the time has gone. Maybe I've been forgotten. I bypassed. Someone else has come along and has, has done what needed to be done. I'm insignificant. We can feel that it's over. The time timing has gone. It's all about timing. If anyone watches X Factor, it's all about timing, apparently. God's call or plan or purpose it was only for a season, for a time. When we do that, we can become cold and callous. We can become hard-hearted. We can become distant. We can become removed and, and absent, even though we're taking up a seat. And that's not God's will. That's not God's plan. We can feel that we have for, forgotten. But we have to remember, we have a living relationship with God. God the enemy will come along and will feed those, those feelings of, of, uh, um, of underachieving, feed those thoughts of you're never going to make it, feed those thoughts that the promise was just for a time and it's not for the rest of your life. It's, it's, you've had a wee moment and that was enough. The wee moment that that, that, that was all that God wanted to use you for, just that, that one day. But for God, sometimes that wee moment was just a foretaste of what's to come. The enemy will tell you that's all you're getting. The enemy will come along and tell you you've misunderstood, you've exaggerated it, you've thought more highly of yourself. You're a Christian, don't you know you're meant to be humble? That's what the enemy will do. He'll feed those things, feed those doubts. And it's vital that we as believers as people who believe in the promises of God, who follow the word of God, which is full of promises of God. And we follow the child of promise, who became the man of promise, who became the savior of promise, promised to never leave us nor forsake us. It's, a pro- it's important that we find ways that we combat that and we counteract those things. We build up our expectation and our hope and our trust in those we live in a society in a world which is all thoughts are, you know what, the new Star Wars movie's coming out. I think I'm going to anticipate that it's not going to be as good as the hype says. Aim low. That's, that's the plan. Aim low so I'll be pleased. With my own life, I maybe should aim low. You know, when God's purposes and plans, with what his word has said to me, I'm going to go on the low side so that way I'm not going to be Disappointed. The problem is God works with our faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith and expectation are intricately tied together. And if we come out and we come to church in the evenings and we expect very little, we will get very little. If we expect to hear from God, then we will hear from God. Have we fallen into a trap? that we have aimed low? Have we fallen into a trap where we have written off the promises and said, ah, that was just for a time, things that God had promised me, I thought it was gonna be for permanent? Have we done that? The end of another year and still under the boot heel of Rome, another year and the promise has been delayed or forgotten. But we have to find a way in which we can combat that. 1 Chronicles 28:20. 20, David, passing the reins of the nation to his son Solomon, says to him, be strong and of a good courage and do it. Do not fear nor be dismayed, for the Lord God, my God, will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you until you have finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. We have to find ways in which we encourage ourselves in the Lord, in which we build ourselves up. We hold on to what God has promised us. The easiest thing to do would be to let go. The easiest thing to do would be to, 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 to treat it carelessly. You know, I once thought that was important, but now it was, it's not important. It's important that we, we value the things that God has placed value on. If God has gone to all the bother to speak to us, to encourage us, if he's gone to all the bother to give us a verse, as Martin was speaking this morning, that jumps out and encourages us, maybe just for the day, but sometimes he gives us something for next week or for next month or next year or for your future life. And if he gives you something, is it not important that we do something with that? We say, oh, that was great. And then six days later, you've forgotten what the verse was. It's important that we, we prize these things and treasure them. And I want to say, just to clarify for anyone who's, who's thought about what I've said so far, when it says God remembered, it's not a case of God for God. It's not a case of God for God. It's not a mental exercise for God, it's not a feeling of his memory. It's not merely old thoughts returning to his head. You know, it's very, it's, it's, it's funny sometimes how we read into the scriptures and we take a scripture to beyond where it's meant to go. We go, he remembered, that means he forgot. We take it that way. You're chosen, you're not chosen. The scriptures don't say things. We, don't t- we read plain reading of scripture. It's the most important way. But for God to remember, it is a doing word. Something happens when it says God remembers. When God remembers, it's always followed by something else right after that. Remember in Genesis eight, verse one, it says, God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him on the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters receded. He remembered, but he did. It wasn't a remembering as he forgot. It was, I'm doing it now. The time has come. Things have moved into place to such a degree that it's now time for me to act, because he doesn't act rashly, he doesn't act uh, out of pure, you know, hurriedness. He is what the old saying is that the wheels of God move exceedingly slow but exceedingly sure, and that's the way God moved. It says in First Samuel uh, chapter one, it talks about uh, Hannah came to, came to uh, the temple and he, she prayed and they thought she was drunk and she wasn't drunk and she was praying to God and she was asking for a child. And it says, and God remembered her and gave her a child. God has not forgotten his covenant. He's not forgotten those promises that he has given us. He gave it to us for a reason. He gave it to us for a hope and for a future and for a plan. If we believe, Jeremiah, it talks about, my plans for you are good and not for evil. If we believe that God makes plans and he'd tell us about them, he doesn't do it just carelessly. He's a God of purpose, a God of planning. God has not forgotten his word. He's not forgotten you. He's not forgotten me. He's not forgotten those things that he's spoken over our lives. How quickly do we run to the front whenever Uh, Pastor James is here to hear a word. Have we forgotten those words? Have we forgotten what God has given us, what he's laid on our hearts, what he's put in our hearts? We need to remember those things. We need to treasure those things. We need to treasure the words in the Bible that God has given us. In Luke 1, Gabriel is sent to Nazareth, to a virgin. He's sent to his city, Don't know the side. Maybe a couple of hundred thousand people. Maybe a couple of thousand, twenty, thirty thousand people. Bypasses them all to find a young girl, a specific young girl. Walks past the wealthy and the wise and the rich and the powerful to find an exact person that he's looking for. There's something in that at this time of year that we need to remember. That God knows exactly where we are. He knows exactly what he's promised. He knows exactly what he's going to do in our lives. So rest assured, God has not forgotten you. God has not forgotten those things that He has told you. He's not forgotten those things that He's promised you. He's not forgotten everything that He wants to do in your life. It's still His plans and His purposes. Even when someone walks away from God, God still has those plans. He's waiting for the time that could be right. He's waiting for that person to come to themselves and repent, come back to God. God is a good God. It says in Isaiah 49. Isaiah 49, 14 to 16. But Zion said, the Lord hath forsaken me and my Lord hath forgotten me. We've said it. We felt it. We might not have conjured the words, but have you felt that I've been forgotten? And then the answer comes back. Can a woman forget her suckling child that she should not, not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. He hasn't forgotten us. He hasn't forgot his plans or his promises. Sometimes we're so close to the wall, to the cold face, that we can't see what God is moving around, what God is doing in the background, what he's doing beyond our sight, but he's still working away. He's still plugging away. He's still moving pieces on the chessboard to get circumstances and things into place to fulfill his promise in our lives. How can God forget us? How can he forget us? We are his. He paid a price for us, a very, very dear price. He didn't pay for us and then just let us leave us. This is not a a, a religion of holding on just to hold on. This is a religion. This is a belief in a relationship with God that is living, that is vital, that is moving, that is growing, that is developing. We have to remember that there is something of a period of working out where God is working on the circumstances and he's working on us. He's working to change things. As I said there, he was working on the land of Israel and the nations around it, bringing in through Alexander the Great, the common language where they would all be able to deal at least in the marketplace in in, uh, Greek. And then they brought in the Romans, and he was moving pieces and moving things around, and people were having a hard time. And they were, but they were all for a purpose. There was something that was coming about, and God does that in our lives. We all know it very well. He moves in our lives. He works in our lives. He works in our character. He cannot make a, a sword or a hammer on the couch. He can't make a tool for use in a factory or in a workshop uh, sitting in bed. You can't do that it does not happen you have to take it to the, the blacksmith you have to take it to the, the engineer to hammer the thing to work on it to work and that's what's happening working on us and working on our circumstances God's developing us to the point where we will one day suddenly something will happen out of the blue because God has remembered me and look what's happening and it's not that he's forgotten it's that the time has come in the fullness of time God is acting so I want to briefly look at three things, and this is all the all, any, pastor will be proud of this. I got three T's, <laughs> three T's: treasure, testimony, and trust. So while waiting for God's treasure, for God, treasure the promise, rehearse the testimony, and trust Him. First of all, treasuring the promises of God. In verse 66 there, it says, all who heard them laid up in their hearts what they had heard, what they had seen. They laid it up in their hearts. It speaks in uh, 2 Luke 19, Mary, whenever she went into the temple with Jesus on the eighth day, it says that Simeon and Anna came and they, they spoke and they said, this is a child of, of promise. And it says that she treasured them in her heart, treasured what was said in her heart. It's important that we treasure what God has said to us in our hearts, that we treasure the word of God as Martin was saying today, we treasure the word. We treat it of importance. We prize it. We guard it. We take care to protect it. We, t- we value what God has said to us. We just don't treat it lightly. These are the words of a God, words from eternity to us. Gabriel spoke to Mary once, only once, only once. And then she had to go through the whole pregnancy and, and then she, t- you know, going through all the, 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 the comments of the neighbors and all the rest. He only spoke to her once. He, she didn't speak to her every other day or every other week. Oh, you've reached your first trimester. I better go and speak to her again. Didn't do it. Spoke to her once and she treasured them up. She remembered them up. Remembered all that was said. See, Luke... Wasn't a first hand witness to these events. What Luke did as a good historian, he went around the people who were involved and he asked them, What happened? What do you remember? Do you have anything written down or what did you ha- happen? As he was preparing this, and he went around and what was it jumped out? As he, he remembered, they, uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth remembered all the words of this prophecy. And he remembered, they remembered that you know, God had not forgotten his covenant. He remembered that people were all taking note of this. Mary had treasured them up in their heart and she told them how intimate a conversation that must have been. She said, you know, when I heard Anna and Simeon, I'm sure she said this, something like this, probably not in the Northern Irish vernacular, but when I heard what Anna and Simeon said, and this is what they said, you know what, I held on to that. I held on to that. Through all those years that were to come, I held on and I held on and I held on because I had nothing else to hold on to. I held on to that. Boy, that gave me such strength. That gave me such encouragement. When people were making comments about my child, saying about that illegitimate son, whenever he was a boy, I'm sure he got that sort of stick. I'm sure they got all the stick of the day, but she said, I held on to the fact that I had seen an angel, that I had a word from God. I held on to the fact that he was the promised one. I held on to what God had told me, treasured it up in her heart, It's important that we treasure it up in our hearts. If God speaks to us through his word, if he opens something to us, treasure it. Don't treat it lightly. Don't treat it flippantly. God of creation has taken time to speak to you. The God of the universe has taken time to come to you and find you where you are and deliver a word, something to give you hope for the road, something about your future, something about your family, something about your life. Hold on. Keep going, treasure the word that God has given us. Psalm 119, verse 162. Martin didn't mention it this morning, but I was nervous he was going to. I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. I rejoice. God has spoken to me. God has given me something that I can hold on to, something that I can build a house on when the storms come. (coughs) Praise the Lord. Glory to God. God of creation has spoken into my life, into my situation. Oh, that's something I can be. Oh, that'll give me, that'll give me at least six months worth of oh, light walking. We need, we need to have some of its tenacity, some determination to protect what God has given us, to value it, to prize it. Tenacity and stickability, as they used to talk about. True grit, if anyone watched John Wayne holy ghost desperation where we hold on to things treat the the word of god as a god's treasure to us and when he gives us something that jumps out and something for our life and for our future for our circumstances treasure it put importance upon it because this is a word from god from outside of our time and space from eternity itself from the very throne of heaven if we have access to the throne of heaven and we can go to him at any time and we can bend our knee and have an audience with the King of Kings, how much more, if he is willing to answer, how much more should we praise that? We should prize that time when we can get on our knees and pray to him. We should prize that time when we can tell God all that's in our heart and all that's in our family and all that's in our church and we can tell him all that's going on. That's important. That's a precious time. We should protect that. And at the same time, whenever he takes the time, when he condescends to come to us, we should prize what he says and what he tells us. Guards God's promises in your heart. Do not let anyone come in and tarnish them and take them away. Someone can come along after God has given you a word, or God has spoken to you through his word, someone can come along and can tell you something that will try to to help you to aim low. But trust God, believe him, believe his word. God has given us enduring and faithful promises. Do not be so light with them. So while while waiting for God, treasure the promise. Of God and rehearse the testimony. Number two, testimony. Remembering how God has been faithful in our lives in the past is an important step in keeping going. It's an important step on realizing it's not just a promise that's words on paper. That this is something that God has given me and God is well able to fulfil. This past week we did in cell group, kind of cheated because I was doing I was doing the icebreaker, but I I thought we should do just talk about, ask, thank God and tell each other what God has done in our lives this past year, how he has blessed us, how he's got us through this year, how he has sustained us. And it's always interesting when you hear that and what people have gone through and things sometimes that you never thought was as important as as it was for them. And it's always humbling because you realize everyone's got problems. It's not just about me, but it's important that we do that that we have a test, the testimony of what God has done in our lives. We remember what God has done for us. We remember, whether on the simplest form, we remember where we were and what God has pulled us out of. But in another sense, we remember those times we have seen God move in our families and move in our church, move in our communities. Those times when we've seen God move, things happen that it has to be a God thing. It has to be something that God has done. It's important that we remember how God has strengthened us and encouraged us, how God has delivered us, how God has done small things. Even if it was a wee moment, a moment that we thought that the world and, and the flesh and the devil told us that was it, that was all God promised you and God was giving you as a taster, we have to remember that's what God did in the past. He can do more. He can do greater. God is a God who, in a relationship with him and it's a testimony of what he's done. And we have to remember that. And that'll help us. It'll help us to hold on. Help us to not become cynical. Help us not become hard-hearted. Help us not to become distant and cold. Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Remember what he's done for you in the past remember how he's come through in the past and what he's done for you. Rehearse those in your mind. Some people write a diary and they write down what God has done for them. They write down how God has helped them. Write, write down what God has encouraged around them. Words that you've received. Rehearse those. Remember how God has helped you. And that'll give you the strength to carry on. I'm be again, through this quick, because I promise to be short. So while waiting, treasure the promise of God. Rehearse the testimony of God and trust him. Number three, trust him. It's important that we maintain above all else our relationship with God, regardless of how promises from God appear to be fulfilled or not. The the relationship with God is paramount. Intimate relationship with God is something that we need to keep as a top priority on our books. We need to keep it so important because if we become cold or calloused or distant, if we look at this past year and we think to ourselves, I remember going into 2015 full of hope. Five is a number of grace. God's gonna do something in 15. And if we look back at this past year and we think to ourselves, nothing happened, yeah. We can go into another year thinking, yay, it's gonna be great and nothing will happen. But we need to remember that it's a relationship with God and God's in this for the long haul. He doesn't start something and then walk away. He doesn't do anything offhandish. He doesn't do anything careless or flippant. He does things for a purpose. And if we keep our relationship with him, keep it current, keep it relevant, keep it involved, keep it sincere and honest, then he will speak to us he will continue to work with us continue to work in our lives in the old testament there's two there's frequent warnings to the nation of israel even after they receive the promises, they're warned over and over again throughout the prophets. They're warned about being cold-hearted. They're warned. Ezekiel <laughs> warns them about their two daughters, and Ezekiel 23 and 24, one who goes out and lives with the world and one who goes through the motions, but whose heart is far from God. And we have to be careful that we don't just go through the motions, that we, are st- we remember to come to God. Come to him, pour out our hearts to him, tell him about our life, where we're at, what we're thinking about, what we're going through. Keep that relationship with, ship with him important and of value. It'll keep us sensitive to his spirit, sensitive to his word, sensitive to his leadings and guidings and he'll direct, direct us and guide us and he'll work on us quicker, which is the good news. Maintain our relationship with him through prayer, the word of God, fellowship with one another, fellowship corporately. These are all very important things. God uses them on us as a way of working on us, on the way of developing us, on a way of changing us, on the way of correcting our misconceptions or misinterpretations sometimes of the word. He uses that to, to, to develop us and to grow us up as his people, as the people of promise. We have to trust him while we are waiting. Trust him while we're in this in-between point from receiving a promise from God to the fulfillment of the promise. We have to hold on. Simeon and Anna were in the temple and he was saying, the Lord had told him you're not gonna go until you've received, until you've seen my anointed. I'm sure as the years went by, he was going like, maybe this year. Here's another baba coming in. Maybe this is the Baba. I'm sure he was thinking, oh, could please, no, that's not the one. You know, you know, he had to keep going. And as soon as he seen seen baby the Jesus, as soon as he seen him, I'm sure that there, that promise was quickened to him. I'm sure he, he'd treasured it. He'd remembered it. He knew it every day. He probably even had it, just like we, very Pentecostal thing. We probably read it, wrote it and stuck it beside the door or on the fridge or something. I'm sure he knew it. And he held on until the promise came. And he, oh, I have seen the Lord's anointed. I have seen deliverance. So we have to trust the character of God. Trust the character of God who's, as the one who has made the promise, who's the one who said that he will fulfill all those things that he has promised. Trust him. You know, we take communion on Sundays as we and we remember rightly so what God has done for us at Calvary. And that is the that is the wonderful truth of, of communion. There's also a forward point. It's not just all backward. There's a forward point. There's, you've now, this is the point at which you've entered a covenant. You've entered a relationship with God. It's good that we remember it and we keep coming to it. And that's very good and important. I'm not taking away from that at all. But I'm saying you've now started and continue. There's a bit where we have to continue. And as we develop our relationship with him and we get to know his character, we can trust him more. We can hold on with faith, hold on with hope, hold on knowing that he is not a God who wastes time. He's a God who does everything that he said he will do. We have to trust him and realize that his word is yea and amen and is settled in heaven. Thankfully, God does not have to repeat himself. Could you imagine him at the, the tomb of Lazarus Lazarus, come forth. I said, come forth. He didn't do that. Maybe he gives us something, gives us speaks into his word to us, gives us a promise to hold on to. He doesn't have to repeat it. When he spoke at creation. He didn't say, let there be light. I said, let there be light. He said, once is enough. The ball is rolling. Things are moving. And the day will come when we'll see things happen and we'll go, God has remembered his covenant with me. Because he's in a covenant with me. He's remembered his promises to me. He's remembered those things that he has laid on my heart. Those things that I have treasured up, he's remembered them. So we need to resolve today while waiting to treasure the promises of God. Rehearse the testimony of what God has done and trust him. Trust him. Hold on. God is, is a good God. God is doing things. He's moving. The day is coming soon and very soon. Soon and very soon. Soon and very soon. The day will come whenever God's miracle will come. After 500 years, 400 years, 800 years. Soon and very soon. We need to believe, trust, and pray. Because God will move. You remember the thief on the cross? He said to Jesus, Remember me when you enter, whenever you go to your kingdom. Jesus words to him, This day I've remembered. This day you're going to my kingdom. Wherever you find yourself tonight, I just want to encourage you. It might seem like time has passed. It might seem like promises are dead. It might seem like things have just become normal and I'm just, just tying a knot and holding on. Let me encourage you. God hasn't finished. I encourage you, his promises are yea and amen. And the day will come when God will move and will appear to us as he has sprung into the action. And we will be like those who dreamed, as the scriptures say, those who dreamed at the miraculousness of it and now, oh, I can't even remember what life was like before God had moved. But hold on to the promise. Hold on to what God has given you. Treasure it, protect it. And God will fulfill all, all that he has promised us all that he has laid on our hearts, he will do it and he will accomplish it. Father God in heaven, Lord, we praise you, Lord God. Praise you Lord God, praise you Lord God, praise you Lord God. We glorify you Lord, we thank you that you are the one true and living God. We thank you Lord that you still sit on the throne. We thank you dear God in heaven that you're not diminished by the passing of years, Lord God. We thank you Lord and God that you still do the impossible Lord and that nothing is impossible for you Lord. We glorify you Lord, we thank you dear God in heaven for your word Lord which is a lamp unto our feet Lord. We thank you Lord for feeding us, Lord, for stirring us, for giving us promises, Lord. We thank you, dear God, in heaven, Lord, for everything that you have promised us, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, that you are working in our lives. You're working in our circumstances. You're bringing things about for your purposes, Lord. We just wanna glorify you, Lord, and thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, for strength, Lord, to continue thank you, Lord, for strength to continue while we wait, Lord, on that day when we will see the deliverance, Lord. We will see the answer, Lord God. We still believe, Lord God, in your ability, Lord, to answer prayer and to perform all that you have desired, Lord God. Thank you, dear God in heaven, Lord, for answered prayer. We thank you, dear God in heaven, Lord, that you remember your people, that you remember your covenant with us, Lord God. We thank you, dear God in heaven, Lord, for your precious promises, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can also watch the Sermon of the Month video at youtube.com forward slash moira pentecostal or download the sermon video through our itunes video podcast for more information visit us at www.mpc.org.uk